Welcome to the podcast of Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. We hope that you enjoy the sermons and other audio provided by us. Feel free to share what you find here, and we hope that it will be beneficial to you as you seek to know and follow Christ. Matthew chapter 22 is where we'll be from today. I want to begin just by quoting something from Isaiah, though. Or not quoting, I'll read it. Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, and he who has no money, come and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. We can also remember words of Jesus. Come, everyone who is weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. In this passage today, we see the reflection of an invitation. An invitation to come to the wedding feast. Now, the wedding feast is something that we see throughout the Bible. The wedding, uh, this marriage, is something we see all the way through the Bible. The Bible begins with a wedding, uh, with a marriage, and it ends with a marriage feast. You know that. The very beginning, we have Adam and Eve created in the garden. Uh, God made Adam and Eve and put them together. And and, uh, Adam says, you know, this is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. And, And God says, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife. And the two will become one flesh. We see this marriage in the very beginning of the Bible. We see a marriage in the very end where um, we see um, the, the spirit and the bride say, come. Uh, Come, Lord Jesus. We're longing for this wedding feast. We sang this morning, we will feast in the house of Zion. One of these days, there's going to be a grand feast and there will no longer be any weeping, no longer any pain, no more any sorrow or anything like that. But together, we will feast in the house of Zion. We will be fully satisfied. Amen. 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 This marriage, we see all the way throughout Scripture. We see how... How Israel had been unfaithful to God. Unfaithful to God. And how, how in Hosea, we see this story of how God shows this, this prophet's life is a picture pointing to his relationship between God and Israel. God tells Hosea to go and marry an adulterous woman. And then this adulterous woman cheats on him. Some surprise. And he leaves and he goes and gets her and brings her back. And that's the picture that God has in the Old Testament of how Israel was unfaithful and he left and went and got her and brought her back. And we also see this picture of marriage throughout the Old Testament and the New. And um, some, you know, the Song of Solomon, that is a mysterious, mysterious book. Um, Throughout... Ancient history, throughout the history of the church, up until the modern era, most people saw the Song of Solomon as a picture of Christ and the church. And is it or is it not? I'm not gonna, not even going to say what my view is here today. I, I think there's some merit to seeing that because uh, Paul tells us in Ephesians 5, that a husband is to love his wife and to lay his life down her as Christ did the church. And he says this is a mystery that he's talking about, a mystery of how marriage is all about Christ and the church. And so as we come to this parable today that Jesus is teaching about this marriage supper, I think we, we have bigger things to think about than just a simple little story about a wedding. 
There, this, 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 is, this is big in its scope. This is about the, I, I think, this, is, this points us to something about the big marriage, the marriage supper of the Lamb that we are invited to. In Matthew tw- chapter 22, <coughs> Jesus is continuing to confront the Pharisees. The Pharisees, or not just the Pharisees, but the, the scribes and the, the chief priests, uh, they had confronted Jesus about what his authority was, and he'd already told them two parables. He talked about two sons. One said he was going to do what the father said and didn't do it, and the other one didn't say, said he wouldn't do what the father said, and he did do it. And the one who did what the father wanted, that's the one who was obedient. We saw last week the parable of the tenants and how um, uh, these tenants had been wicked. They, the, 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 uh, the king had sent to go get his fruits for the rent for his land and the, the, the tenants had killed those servants who came and got, um, the, t- came to get the rent and even killed the son. And we see in, in the passage last week how um, not only did they kill the son, but the, 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 uh, the landowner then went and uh, he, he got rid of all of the tenants and gave the land to someone else. Um, the Pharisees realized they were talking, that Jesus was talking about them. And here Jesus, this, this parable is again, pointed right at the Pharisees. He's pointing right at the, the Jewish leaders. He's talking about how the Jewish people had rejected him and they were rejecting him even then. Go ahead and read our text beginning in verse 1. And again, Jesus spoke to them in parables saying, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son and sent his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding feast, but they would not come. Again, he sent in other servants saying, tell those who were invited, see, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen and my fat calves I have slaughtered and everything is ready. Come to the wedding feast. But they paid no attention. They went off, one to his farm, another to his business, while the rest seized his servants treated them shamefully, and killed them. The king was angry, and he sent his troops and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. Then he said to his servants, The wedding feast is ready, but those who were invited were not worthy. Go, therefore, to the main roads and invite the wedding to the wedding feast as many as you find. And those servants went out into the roads and gathered all whom they found, both bad and good. So the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came to look in at the guests, he saw there a man who had no wedding garment. And he said to him, friend, how did you get in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. The king said to the attendant, bind him hand and foot And cast him into outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. 
We thank you how you speak to us. We thank you how you have invited us into fellowship with you. We pray that you'd give us ears to hear and eyes to see, hearts to believe and obey. Lord, give me strength and grace. Give me clarity as I preach your word this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. It says again, Jesus spoke to them in parables. The them is the signal here that tells us that he is still speaking to these religious leaders that he had been talking about before. He says here, the kingdom of heaven is compared to a king who gave a feast, wedding feast for his sons, for his son. And this, the way this is set up, it says he, again, he sent servants to call those who were invited to the wedding feast. This is following right off the heels of what we've seen in the last passage, the tenants. And the, the, when they... When the king went to go collect the rent from the tenants, he was sending his servants, and these servants were probably the prophets. They were going, and they were telling the people, but they were killing the prophets, and then finally he sent his son, and, you know. And here, I think again, we've got, he sends these servants to tell those who are inviting, who are invited, it's time to come. Now, this also assumes they've already had an invitation. This, and now, you know, they didn't have... Uh, all the all the things we have as reminders today, you know, maybe. Uh, but instead, whenever it was time for the banquet to happen, the king would send out all of his servants again to say, it's time, go ahead, come. He'd send out a previous invitation to let everybody know, hey, this is coming. But now it's time. It's time, come, drop everything. It's time to come to the feast. This picture is that of the Jewish people. They had received the invitation. They had received the invitation back when God called Abraham out of Ur of the Chaldees. He called Abraham and, and promised him that he would one day have a son who would bless all nations. This, this invitation is all throughout the history of Israel. We see this invitation when... Um, when uh, Jacob blesses his sons at the end of the book of Genesis and says that the scepter will not depart from Judah, promising there will be a king that will come from the line of Judah. We see this invitation in the life of David when David uh, is promised by God that he would have a son who would sit on his throne and his kingdom would last forever. We see this invitation as God had chosen his people Israel to be His representatives here on earth and to be a kingdom of priests, a light to the nations, and yet they did not obey God. When it was time for the Messiah to finally come, when the Son of David was finally here, when this descendant of Abraham was finally here, the original guests that were invited refused the invitation. They would not come. They saw the Son, they saw Jesus, and they rejected Him. They saw Him and He was the stone that the builders rejected that we saw in the last passage. And so what happens here? Again, the king sends out more servants 
We see here it says, tell those, again he sounded, other servants, tell those who were invited, see I have prepared my dinner, my oxen and my fat calves I've slaughtered and everything is ready. Come to the wedding feast. Maybe this would be John the Baptist as he's coming. He's coming uh, at the very beginning of Jesus' ministry announcing the Messiah is here. The Messiah is here. And how do the Jewish people react? How do the Jewish leaders react? They reject him. They paid no attention. They went off. One went off to his farm. Another to his business. So some of the people, they responded with ignoring. You get this invitation from a king. You know, I I think if I got an invitation to come to the White House from the president, I'd go even if I didn't agree with his politics. You get an invitation from a king, you you turn that down, you might get killed. (laughs) This king invites these people and all they do is they ignore it. They ignore it. And yet there are some others who, they don't just ignore it, but they start mistreating those who are coming out to do the invitation. And they even kill them. Well, you can imagine this makes the king angry. It says, makes the king angry, and he sent out troops and destroyed those murderers, and he burned their cities. He was not going to have anything to do with those who had rejected the invitation. So now what? The wedding is ready. The animals are slaughtered. It's time to have a feast. But who's going to come? So, the king says, Go therefore to the main roads and invite the wedding fe- to the wedding, wedding feast as many as you find. And those servants went out to the road <coughs> and gathered all whom they found, both bad and good. That's important. Both bad and good. So the wedding hall was filled with guests. When Jesus came, He came not for the well. He came for the sick. He came for both Jew and Gentile. He came for black and white. He came for rich and poor. He came for the healthy. He came for the sick. Well, spiritually, Uh, uh, Physically, I mean. He came for the tax collector and the sinner. He came for the addict. He came for the alcoholic. He came for the meth head or the coke head. He came for all of them. The invitation was open. All who would enter, come. Come. And that is the invitation that we go to people with. Anyone. Doesn't matter what you've done. Doesn't matter where you've been. Come. Come to the waters. Come and be satisfied. Come to Jesus. Anyone. No matter what you've done. The text here says both good and bad are invited to come to the wedding. He will not turn you away. Come. Just as Romans says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Come to Him. Come to Him. The invitation is open. 
And yet we have this next part. The invitation is open and the invitation is exclusive. What do I mean here? There's only one way in. And that's through Jesus. There is only one way in and that is through Jesus. It says, but the king came to look at the guests and he saw there a man who had no wedding garment. And he said to him, friend, how did you get in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. The king said to the attendants, bind him hand and foot and cast him out into outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The description we have of him being thrown out into outer darkness in a place where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's the same kind of description Jesus gives of where, what hell will be like. In a place where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth, where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. So if the invitation is open to all, then when the king comes in and he's walking around and he sees a guy who's dressed not right, what does he throw him out for? Well, I don't want to be too speculative, but those who come must come on the king's terms. Um... There are some who have postulated, who have suggested that it was the king's duty to provide wedding clothes for the guests. And so as the guests come, they would receive their wedding clothes and they would put those on. And, and so this guest, may maybe he refused to put on the wedding clothes. As I was reading, and this is, this is how I've often seen this text, and as I was reading, I found there's not really a whole lot of historical evidence to say that this is necessarily the case. Regardless of whether that was the case or not, the point is, those who come have to come on the king's terms. He knew if he was going to come, he had to prepare himself. He had to come in the way that the king expected him to come. So, Yes, the offer is open to anyone who will come, but all who come must come through faith and repentance. We must repent of our sins. We must turn to Jesus. We must throw all of our faith on Him. And clothing, I think, is significant here. Because the, the New Testament also tells us that we are clothed in the righteousness of Christ. Our righteousness is not our own. We, our righteousness is filthy rags. All of our goodness that we can try to accomplish on our own, it's all filthy rags. None of it is worth anything. All of our good deeds piled up. Paul calls it a lot worse than filthy rags if you want to get literal about it. But Jesus' righteousness is perfect. And if we're going to come in to the wedding feast, we have to come in clothed in the righteousness of Christ. Not a righteousness that is our own. We can't get into the wedding feast by being good enough on our own. We come into the wedding feast because Christ has clothed us When we trust in Him, our old man dies. We become a new creation in Christ Jesus. He clothes us in His own righteousness. Then this final text here, this final verse, verse 14. For many are called, but few 
are chosen. I don't think the point here is to say that that those who are saved will be a small amount, but that not everyone who has the invitation sent to them will will be chosen. That that, that it's a smaller amount that are chosen than than receive the invitation. Um, Because when we look at heaven... In the book of Revelation, there are myriads and myriads of of people, uh, thousands and thousands, more than anyone can count, that will be there in heaven. People from every tribe, tongue, and nation. See, this parable balances two things. The offer is open, and yet it uses this word, chosen. The Bible does teach the doctrine of election. You know, when we're saved, it's not because we just somehow decided one day, I think I'm going to get saved today. God chose us. And that that isn't something that should make us worry. That's something that should make us feel so special. I'm here today. I believe because while I was down in the lowest point of my entire life, God picked down and chose me. And I didn't deserve that. This is grace. This is free grace. I didn't do anything to deserve it all. What I see in this parable is a picture of the Gospel. All who would enter, come Come to Jesus. Look to Him. He came and He died on the cross that all who believe on Him could be saved. And only those who believe in Him. Only those who trust in Him. Who humble themselves. Who repent and turn to look to Christ will be saved. Church, That's the way we continue to live. Whether we've already done that, whether we've initially put our faith in Christ, or whether we've been following Jesus for 10, 20, 30 years, that's the way, we've, that's the way we just live this Christian life. We keep looking to Him, looking to Him. My righteousness is not in me, but it's only Jesus. We keep giving Him the glory, giving Him the credit for everything we do. Keep following Him, coming in on His terms. Thank you for listening to this message from Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. For more information, please visit us at RedeemerBaptistPanama.com or you can like us on Facebook.